God said, carry your cross and come with, with me up onto this hill and die here. And on the other side of that is a new life. Mm. And that, I just thought, I can't keep this to myself. Yeah. People have to know this, that right. they can really be free. Welcome to the Edify podcast, where our guests share practical wisdom on living our faith in public. I'm Mary Fiorito. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Edify podcast. Our guest today is Heather Kim, who is the co-founder, along with her husband, Jake, of Life Restoration Ministries and uh, is the host of the Abiding Together podcast. The areas in which you have expertise, I think it's, it's, it's always been timely, but it's particularly timely now because we live in such a um, you know, a culture where people can be canceled um, instantaneously. If you have someone who approaches you who's been a victim of this cancel culture, some people very publicly so, but others, you know, can be done in private ways, for example, at, at your office. Talk, talk to me a little bit about how you would advise or counsel someone who's been the victim of that kind of cancel culture. Yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult, the culture that we live in right now, because it seems like there's no room for growth. And actually, you know, I'm a big believer in telling the truth. It's something that's really right. near and dear to my heart that I've made a, a significant commitment to in my own life. And and I feel well, like this is- What does that look a, like for you personally when you say that? How has that changed your life and the way you live that? Yeah, well, I mean, to look at it in a couple of different ways, I mean, Jesus is the truth. You know, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's one thing. Uh, and I think how the culture has flipped that into saying, what is your truth? And what, what is, you know, that, that is specific to you. And although there's something about that, that's like, yes, we all have a story and that story matters. That that's, that's true also. Um, truth isn't relative. You know, it isn't always the just what you, relative. yeah, it's right. just, it isn't always what your feelings or what you think, like there are a hierarchy of truths. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've lost sight of those things and it's easy for it to become mixed up and very confusing. And there's a pressure to say certain things or adopt certain beliefs because otherwise you're labeled as a hater or you're labeled as a bigot or, or whatever it might be. And it's kind of a bullying mentality and behavior that's going along with that, mm -hmm. that I find really troubling, actually. I think it's really, really troubling for people in the world. They feel like they have to hide. They feel like they're being silenced. They feel like they don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. And and those are just not how God made us to live. You know, right. God wants us to be people who are free, who are able to speak the truth. And and of course, how we say it and what we say, the words we use, that, that does matter. And I think we can all probably learn to grow in those skills of being more charitable. Mm -hmm. um, but not at the expense of the truth. What I find so incredibly frustrating is that we, we, there is almost no charity present. And I mean that in the Christian sense, right? No charity towards the other person. It's an it's immediate assumption of bad intent. And how do you even begin to counteract that? Yeah, yeah, and that's not to say that you know there's not bad things that happen and people who are oh, right, racist and people. And oh, I know sure. that that you we are. agree right. on that. Um, but yeah, I think it it turns it, it into like a, right. every moment is a moment to be outraged. Right. You know, it's always looking through the the lens of any time a difference is pointed out, then I can jump into the outrage mode right. and exert my control right. over the other person, right. which is just not how Jesus calls us to live. Right. You know, we're called to be in relationship with each other. I love the quote from Mother Teresa where she says, if you find no peace, if there's no peace, it's because we've forgotten we belong to each other. Mm. And I'm like, That's I think we beautiful. forget this. You know, right. we do belong to each other. And sometimes we're curious about each other. Sometimes we want to know um, things and it can be misinterpreted so easily in the culture we live in, which mm -hmm. I think is actually building up more walls between people. Right. Uh, than ever I don't before. think I've ever lived 
um, in a more where, where I've felt that I am more um, you're in, I'm in a more divided culture than I am right now, you know, and um, there seem to be so few unifying moments for us as a country. Is there a way to get there without crisis? Gosh, I hope so. I mean, that's the hope that I'm hanging on to mm-hmm. is that if if we truly encounter Jesus for who he is, mm-hmm. that that will transform our hearts. Transformation is possible. And I think that's what the culture isn't wanting to allow for is just cancel and you're out of here. Right. But like God is a God of transformation. That's what he desires for us. That's the road I'm on. I want to be transformed. I know there are rough edges and I know there's sin in my life and, and areas of brokenness. And the whole story is that God has come to redeem and restore us, that these things are not who we are. Um, I love that quote from John Paul II where he says, we are not the sum of our weaknesses. We are the sum of the Father's love for us. Mm. And so, yeah, being a work in progress, that's, I mean, on one hand, you know, people can be so into healing and therapy and stuff right now. That's quite a, a buzzword, you know, is like everybody's diving into therapy. And the whole point of that is transformation. Right. Uh, but when it comes to other things, we just want to wipe people off the off the radar altogether. Right. Just and, dispose of them. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah. other than we're just being reactive to our feelings. Well, tell me a little bit. You and your husband um, uh, founded Life Restoration Ministries. Yeah. You met at the uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville. Yeah. Um, how did this work of yours come to be? I honestly grew up in a Catholic family that was just like go to church on Sunday and I was pretty bored and looked around and seemed like most people were bored. I didn't really like it. Uh, and then I went to this conference where a bunch of young people were in Yakima, Washington. I traveled down in a van full of people that I didn't know and quickly questioned, what was I doing? You know, what what had I just done? And ended up in this gym full of teenagers and there was a guy just preaching the gospel there. And my heart just started to soften through the weekend. So he was reading the words of scripture? No, he was, he was he just was like just... preaching. About, okay. about Jesus and who he was and the life of God and that God wanted to come into our hearts and, and be our savior and set us free. And I was just this young kid that no one knew, but I had an incredible amount of trauma and brokenness in my life. And as I listened to him, my heart just started to open and I'm looking around me, seeing people encountering God in a personal way that I hadn't. It just seemed like before it was like this idea and you go to church and you show up and it's behavior. Right. This was relationship. And I was like, what? what is this? You know, he walked right off the stage with about 500 young people in the room. And after his talk, they went into some music and he came right off the stage up to me in the middle of a crowd. And I was like, I was a shy kid, not to be noticed, really bad haircut, you know, all the things like I was just like not to be noticed. And he just said the whole time I was speaking, I just had this deep sense that God has great things in store for you. Mm. Can I pray with you? Wow. And I was like stunned. And I just said, okay. And it was like a little yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an encounter with God that night that was so profound. It's hard to describe, mm-hmm. but I knew that he saw me mm-hmm. and that he was personal and that he loved me mm-hmm. in a real way. And before God seemed like he was so far away yeah. and disinterested in my life. And I think a lot of people believe that. It's just oh, like we're out here floating Absolutely. around, you know, and we don't really know where we're going and right. there's no nothing really anchoring us. Right. And the truth is that that's not just for me, mm-hmm. but like God sees us. He sees who we are. He made us for love. He made us for relationship with others, but with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not just floating around out right. here. We're loved. We are his children. He's adopted us into his family. I mean, this is a big deal. It's not just, oh, there's a God. 
Right. And I'm this person and he made in me the and universe. I, yes, and I'm one of you know? the many, 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 many yeah, people. No, this is very, very personal. Well, for, for someone who might say to you, okay, well, Heather, that's great that that happened to you. Yeah. Nothing like that's ever happened to me. And I go to church and I pray and I try to be good to people and I'm nice to my elderly parents, but nothing like that's ever happened to me. How do you, how do you speak to a person who's never just had that moment where they've had that personal relationship of Christ crystallize for them. Yeah, I think in many ways it just comes down to we need to start opening the door and listening. We need to put ourselves in positions where we can have an encounter with God. That's part of the work that my husband and I do in our ministry life restoration. We want to set the stage, the, the table for an encounter with well, God. Talk, talk a little bit about your about your work. How did, how did it come to be? I know you founded it with your husband. What kind of programs or ministries specifically does life restoration? Yeah, well, here's where it came from. So we're good, you know, good Catholics. I'm right. saying that in quotes. <laughs> and, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my husband and I met at Franciscan University. We were both studying theology and catechetics. I had been in church ministry for a little while. So as a young punk, you know, young adult, I'm thinking I kind of know a lot of things. And um, we got married and two years into our marriage, we were having a conversation and there was just something that occurred in the conversation and I asked one question deeper. And so what he was telling me was that he had advised a friend of his who was struggling with pornography to go talk to a priest. And he said, uh, I told him, you know, to go to this priest because he's really good at this particular topic. Mm-hmm. And I just paused and there was something in my gut. And I just said, how would you know that? Oh. And there was just silence. And then out it came. Then Jake just confessed this really deep addiction that he had sure. in his life that he had been hiding, you know, throughout our marriage and mm-hmm. and even before we were married. And there was, for both of us, we just wept. Sure. I mean, it was like devastating on so many levels oh, because it's a break in the vows, you know, oh, like absolutely. there's all of those things. So it was kind of earth shattering at that moment. And, and I can say now, I look back on that day and I go, that was the worst day. That was the best day because things finally got real. And this is where it came, where the rubber meets the road. When we have moments in our life that we can't fix, and that was beyond us fixing. I was ready to, you know, get out, except we had this little two-month-old little girl. (laughs) And I just thought, oh, the timing. Why couldn't this have come out earlier? It would have been so much easier. You know, it was all of those thoughts. Was he still actively using pornography, or was it something he was No, he he was. Yeah, he was was deep in this addiction that he couldn't break, and he tried so hard, and he was going to confession, and he was going to Mass. We're both working in the church, you know, and this is, some people might go, oh my gosh, well, welcome to the world. This is happening all over the place. We all have brokenness, and for him, it was a very young wound that had happened that wasn't his fault Mm -hmm. when he was a child, and this is what ended up unfolding in his life, and um, and it, I didn't ask for this. You know, on the other hand, it's like, I didn't choose this. Like, why is this happening to me and this hurt? So this is where the rubber meets the road. Is God really who he says he is or not? Mm-hmm. Is God the healer, the restorer, the way, the truth, the life, or is he not? Because this is where it matters right now. Either God needs to come in and intervene and heal in a really profound way, or this is over. Mm-hmm. That was the two alternatives. And so as we pressed in, to this and it wasn't easy and it took you know several years and counseling and a variety of things there was spiritual direction there was accompaniment there was a lot of honesty between us there was changes there was me having to grow and being open again mm-hmm. all of those things and i can sit here and say well we've been married for 22 years now 
And there has been so much restoration that's occurred in our relationship. The things that I thought never would be, the areas of hurt that I thought I'll never be able to trust again. You know, God has restored those things and we're still on a healing journey and there's a lot more that we're diving into. But I can honestly say, we encountered Jesus, the healer, Mm -hmm. who can restore all things. So Jake, from that day until now, has never struggled again with Mm -hmm. pornography. God truly set him free. It wasn't just over time the pain lessened and I think that's what the world can offer is like well let time and hopefully you can learn to cope with your with your sorrows but Jesus came to set us free and that's why we started our ministry because after that we we just went oh my goodness how did we not know this I just thought when Jesus says carry your cross you sort of just carry it around in circles and then you hope (laughs) to get to heaven but really what I experienced was God said carry your cross and come with with me up onto this hill and die here and on the other side of that is new life Mm. and that I just thought I can't keep this to myself like people have to know this that they can really be free right so that's what we're trying to do in our ministry is to just share from our there's been many other stories like that in our Mm -hmm. life where we've experienced God's restoration power and gone into deep dark places only to find that Jesus truly is the light of the world Mm -hmm. and the dark is not dark for him so that's what we want for people we want to help journey under the surface so what kind of uh, services do you provide then yeah so we do events we do a men's and women's uh, event every every year Um, and it's not just focused on healing from addictions oh no 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 this is just yeah what other kind of areas of healing um, do you find that people are coming to you Oh, I think there's just so much brokenness in the world. You know, I look at my own heart and I'm like, it's riddled with brokenness and pain. There's areas of selfishness. There's areas where I can't love or or allow myself to be loved mm-hmm. in ways that I that I should, that I really want, you know? And I think that's the story for all of us. We all have places of brokenness to various degrees. And healing, in my opinion, isn't about just some kind of like balm to put on that. It really is about deep going deep and and the way that that occurs is in relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. so yeah so, so we, we offer courses right. we offer courses and conferences we accompany people um, you know I travel and speak and uh, try to share this message you know with people mm-hmm. and 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 really try to help provide those environments for an encounter with God mm-hmm. that's what people need yes I go to counseling and I have a therapist and there's other things that I think God uses to help heal people right. um, but ultimately it's him mm-hmm. at the end of the day just a note for our listeners we also recorded a short animated video with today's guest it's a great supplement to this conversation we'll link to that in the show notes so that you can go and see it for yourself you also uh, have an area of expertise that I think would be unfamiliar, at least to some Catholics, and that's spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and um, why you were interested in it and why you think it's so important? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so at a young age, I referred to this earlier, that I had a lot of pain and trauma mm-hmm. in my life. Well, the main area that that occurred in is in my relationship with my brother, who is um, four and a half years older than me. And when I was about 10 years old, he got involved in the occult. And, and it was very deep and dark. And he has his own story. You know, he was, right. they moved around a lot. He watched my brother die, had an accident when he was young. So Sister Miriam says this, and it's in a lot of, you know, healing circles, this phrase that says, um, hurt people will hurt people. Sure. And, and that was really what happened there. So my brother was hurting, and I was the little sister. And a lot of it came out onto me. But he got involved in the occult, and I... I saw and heard a lot of things mm-hmm. that uh, that were very traumatic for me on a spiritual level. Sure. 
I came to the awareness that the enemy is real and that this isn't just a story in the Bible, but we really do have an enemy. Satan is real and there is powers of darkness that are out there. And I think what I believed as a young girl was that that was more powerful than God and that God was far away and the enemy was right close getting in my face and like rattling a lot of cages and and the dark was really scary for me um only to come and realize later as i had that encounter with god and he came so close to me that he and his power are more powerful than the enemy and i think the enemy is like all over the place he is called you know the the father of lies and he's not i love john eldridge he says he's not the father of ridiculous suggestions he's the father of lies (laughs) we never believe him you know he's really good at it he weaves a lot of lies and they can go all the way into the patterns of thinking that we have a bad self-image or judgments of people or whatever it might be he is wreaking havoc all over the place in our life Hmm. And the way to combat that is to bring the power of God into those into those moments, into our life, and, and actively use them. And so one of the tools, I'm a practical person, so mm-hmm. I, I hear people say stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, so what do I do? <laughs> you know, right. so, so one of the things that I've learned to do is to really wield the power of Scripture. So this is God's Word. It says in Scripture that it is sharper than a two-edged sword that it is true and effective. And so when we take scripture, which is God's very word, and we start speaking it out loud into the areas where the enemy is speaking lies, powerful things happen. I've experienced that in my own life. So I've actually just taken on remembering certain scriptures, memorizing them. I have them like posted in my house in certain places, just simple ones, um, so that I remember what the truth is about God. And that is, that is actually changing so many things. It sounds so simple, but it's changing well, a lot of things. Can you share like a, an example, a scenario where there might have been spiritual harassment going on or some kind of, you know, spiritual interference where uh, either you or someone you know used those phrases of scripture and it radically changed the situation? Well, it can be as simple as, you know, when I'm feeling afraid, just calling to mind a scripture as simple as one that says, Uh, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Mm -hmm. There is no fear in love. And I just start repeating that. There's no fear in love. I say, Jesus, come with your love Mm -hmm. and remove this fear. You know, and things begin to change. Now, here's a more dramatic situation. My dad, uh, when I was in grade 12 or, you know, senior in high school, he was diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's large cell lymphoma, Mm -hmm. and he was given three months to live. It was riddled throughout his body. It was in his bone marrow. It was in his bloodstream. It was He had huge tumors in his abdomen, under his arm, and he was declining at a rapid rate. And so we're all just like have these moments with him as like these final moments. And he was in a hospital in a cancer clinic by himself one night, and he had a little Bible beside his bed. And he opened it up, and he read the scripture about the healing of the leper. And so he prayed the prayer that the leper prayed, and he asked God to heal him. And he felt this power rushing through his body. My dad's a really logical guy. So he does not tell stories like this. He was like a super successful businessman, very logical. We get this phone call, and all we hear is laughter on the other end. And we're like, what is going on? And he said, something has happened to me. And the next morning, he went in for his test where they were doing a deeper scan to see if there was anything left they could do. And they came back up into his room, and they said... That was the most boring three hours, Mr. McGuire, because there's nothing there. Mm. So he was completely healed. Completely healed. And he lives next door to me. 
Wow. And did 25 he, years later. <laughs> was, was he, you know, like you, someone who was really sort of immersed in the knowledge no. of spiritual warfare? He just no, happened he to wasn't. pick his, his He just happened up. to speak. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is he said, I never had prayed for myself mm. because I didn't think I was worthy of asking God for anything. Mm. He said, I prayed for other people, but I never thought I deserved anything from God. And we see that in scripture. You know, I think sometimes people can hear someone like me and they go, oh, well, Heather, you have a podcast or you whatever. Like, of course, God's going to show up for you. He's not going to show up for me, whatever that narrative is, which just isn't true. That's, that's a lie from the enemy right there. But we don't see that in scripture. We see Jesus going to the little ones, the outcasts, the ones who are on the periphery. That's who he wants to see. That's who he's drawn to is like, he's drawn to our weakness and our brokenness. And Gosh, I couldn't love him more (laughs) for that. Like, I just so adore him for that Mm -hmm. because that's where I need him the most. I don't need him in the places where I've shined up myself. Right. You know, that's where I want him to draw close to But you also allow him to come in. I think most of the time it comes down to misconceptions about who God is. Right. We've either seen it modeled wrong, you know, and the catechism talks about that, that like our parents are the first representatives of God for man. And then it goes on to say, you know, and they will disfigure the face of God, but there is no father like God as father. Right. And God wants to restore that. We can see him as a judge. We can see him as a policeman who's trying to like catch us in our wrongs and write us up on a ticket or whatever. These are, this is not the kind of God we have. Mm -hmm. Father Dave Pavanka used to say, we're friends and, and when I was younger, he used to say, that's not the kind of God we have, Heather, when I would come up with something and it set me on this journey of going, well, what is the kind of God we have? Because mm-hmm. I want to know who that is. Right. And, I, and I, I, that's what I want for people is to just begin asking that question. What is the real, who is the real Jesus? Not the hurtful teacher that I had or the really awful nun that used to smack my knuckles when I was a kid. But like, who is the real Jesus, the one who went to the periphery, who healed the blind man, who went after the Samaritan woman, like to heal her and and know that she was loved. Like that's the Jesus that wants to encounter us. And and that's what I want for people. Well, what would you suggest or recommend then to someone who might be listening to this and um, say is in a place of either disbelief or, you know, has no relationship with Jesus. I don't even know how to pray, you know, uh, what this woman is saying is really nice, but I don't even know how I would even begin. What? How does one start? I mean, a real beginner, atheist, agnostic, whatever, just non-practicing person who happens to be, through some miracle of God's grace, listening, what would you recommend they do right now at listening to this podcast? I would encourage you, if you, if you're wondering and you have a little bit of openness, is to just take a step by saying in your own prayer, like, God, I want to know that you're real. Mm. And will you show me that you're real? And show me who you really are. And then maybe the next step might be, I'm going to start to read the Gospels and just like try to picture myself in some of those stories mm. and, and ask a simple question. What does Jesus want me to know mm. about this? Because those stories speak to his character. Because mm. he's not just an idea. I love that Pope Benedict XVI. He said, like, our the, the Christian life isn't just like an ideal. Right. It, it's an encounter with a person. And that person is Jesus. And so how can we encounter this real person of Jesus? So all we need to do is ask. 
That's what the scriptures say. This right. isn't my words. Right. <laughs> I right. mean, Jesus says, knock and the door will be open to you. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. He's not playing games. That's not the kind of God we have, Well, that's right? true. It's yeah. not like you have that's to jump it. through these hoops. You have to get this right. thing together. That's not the kind of God we have. Right. He's available to everyone right. at any time right now. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your, your podcast in the final moments that we have. Um, Abiding Together, very popular. You've got a big fan base. How did you decide to do it? Um, tell those who might be unfamiliar with it how they can listen to it. And what are you hoping to achieve You know, every time you sit down to, to tape something? Yeah, so I get to do this with two of my dearest friends, Sister Miriam James Heidland and Michelle Bensinger. And I just love those two girls. And we've been in relationship for a long time. Yeah, so so we were all in different ministries and we had known each other and had done some retreats together and women's events together and whatnot. We were just friends, but deeply journeying together. We never lived in the same area. We just have like grown this friendship over the phone and whatever. Um, and I had a friend who was already podcasting and he he brought it up as an idea. Like, what do you think about podcasting? And I'm like, I'm too shy for that. I don't do that. You know, I was making all these excuses and I don't know how to do all those techie things. And he said, but what if I did? And what if I did all of that for you? And then you'd be left with a real reason why you're saying no to me. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, busted. Like I just, yeah, it got me. So I, I went to my two friends and I said, what do you think about this idea? And what if we just started sharing like what God is doing in our life? And maybe that would open up the door for other people. And so that's what happened. And we started five years ago and we're in the top 1% of all podcasts in every category across the world. Really? I don't know how that happened, you know, except for that God does amazing things when we say yes. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can go on our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Um, we also have discussion questions and journaling questions. So people meet in groups, they meet in churches, they meet with girlfriends, they meet with one person, they meet over Zoom, they, you know, or there's just like also journaling questions that you can do on your own. So really, we, we just want to spark conversations for other people to have conversations mm-hmm. of their own and to connect and start journeying with each other. We need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so like abiding together comes from John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me mm-hmm. and I will abide in you. He's made us for relationship with him and with each other. And so that's the hope. And I also wrote a book recently called Abide, um, which is just incorporating a lot of the ideas that we've talked about today um, to just try to help people on the journey. And that's what the podcast is. We're just trying to journey with people. Thank you for making yourself really a vehicle for the Lord and for allowing him to work through you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To make it easier for you to listen to future Edify podcast episodes, please make sure you subscribe over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.